back in the area, not only because of the grandkids, Nana gets to see them, Papa, he gets to see the cornfields, but anyhow, we enjoy coming up here and uh, visiting people in this area as well. On the way up, I was able to stop in Elk Point, South Dakota, Brother Jesse Haley starting a church down there. Preached for him a couple of weeks ago on Sunday on the way up and then stop in Sioux Falls and be with Brother Ruckman on on uh, Sunday evening with the Falls International Church and uh, get to preach there. We got to see two young girls get saved at church that evening and praise the Lord for that. And uh, then to be here and go to be a part of the revival service. It's always good to hear good preaching. It's always good to build up and to edify and to learn more and be challenged to do more for the word of the Lord, for the work of the Lord. Some of you don't know me, that's okay. You will learn, well, some will like, some won't, but that's okay. My wife, Barbara, our daughter is Linnell. And back in 2002, she was a uh, nanny for four kids down in Flandreau. And then she met this young man in 2003 that's now her husband. And they got married, and we have to come up here and see the five grandkids and enjoy that time. Only a couple of times a year do we get to see them, but uh, anyhow, it's good to be here. What I do most of the time is working with churches to print scripture. We go to churches all over the United States and ha get them involved in giving the funds so that we can buy paper. I buy a tractor trailer load of paper that's 34 inches wide and 50 inches tall in rolls. And we have it at a church that then prints that on both sides and puts it together and we print Gospel of John and Romans in several different languages. And praise the Lord, we've been able to do 16 different languages so far. 19 years now that we've been doing this. And then we get to work those up at churches and send them to help start churches as well as to see people get saved around the world. We've been able to send over 16 million of those John and Romans to meet the need around the world in 16 different languages so far. And we're working up right now in churches. We have 31 seed line churches that are helping me to put together the scripture. But we are working up Tamil and Telugu, two of the major languages that go to India. And on the 24th of October, we will be assembling back together about a thousand boxes, someplace close to 280,000 of those John and Romans that are in those two languages. We'll put it in a container and we'll be sending that to India. And then a couple of weeks later on the 5th of November, we will be down in Atlanta, Georgia area to church. And there are several in that area that are working up scripture as well, Tamil and Telugu scripture. And we're going to put it in a container and send another container over to India so that they can have the gospel. And we're just glad that we're able to do that. A billion people more in one-third of the space as the United States. But yet they're just like America. They've got a whole bunch of little G-gods. And they need the real one and only Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I'm glad that we're able to send that over there. We also are working up, I, I just had printed about 280,000 Thai 
John and Romans, and those will be delivered sometime in October and November to the Seedline churches so they can start working that Thai scripture up and be able to send it over to Thailand. The uh, Labor Day weekend, we were in Rogers, Arkansas at a church there uh, where Best Ministries is out of, and Brother Hall is trying to get a million of those Thai a year for the next 20 years to hand out in Thailand. That's 20 million Gospel of John and Romans. But you know what? That'll only cover Bangkok, Thailand. Not the rest of the country, only the city of Bangkok. You know, we don't think of it, and we don't really take and, and consider how valuable the Word of God is to us and how readily available it is to us in America, but yet they don't have. What a thrill to be able to work and get Brother Yinka the four pallets of Scripture. There's 960 Bibles, whole Bibles on that pallet to send over there to Nigeria. And it's on its way. It has not arrived yet, but it's on its way. But you know, they don't have bookstores that they can go to and buy Bibles. And even if they were available, they may not have the money, they couldn't afford it. And so what a privilege to be able to send to them the Word of God so that they can have it and used in the churches. Can you imagine not having it going home? Well, some of you can because that's what you do. You, you leave your Bible here or you don't open it at home. But in many places around the world, they want the gospel. In fact, I was there and Brother uh, Hall was telling about over there in Bangkok. They were able to hand out some whole Bibles to the people there in Thailand. And they were handing them out, and one of the guys got it, and as soon as he got it, he took and he cut it. And he started giving a section to this person, and a section to this person, and he cut that whole thing apart and gives sections out to the people so they could take it home, they could read it, they could copy it. They get back together again, they exchange their packets of what they've got, and they'll do the same over and over again. They don't have... Bibles. They don't have what we take for granted. But yet they're just like many of us. Again, we have a bunch of little G-gods that we serve and we don't serve the one and only. And they're yet hungry for the Word of God. And I'm glad that I'm able to get that out then around the world so that those people can have it. Pray for us as we're on the road. We put on about 40,000 miles a year distributing the Scripture, getting it gathered up, sending it in containers so that people around the world can have it. And it's a privilege to do. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm 78. And while you're turning there, I just want to, I guess, bring to your mind some things. What do you do on a regular, normal day? Not an abnormal, but a regular day. You have a routine. You get up at a certain time, whether it's by the alarm clock after three snoozes or the first time. I don't know. My wife says I've got some sense that every time it's five minutes before alarm gets off to go off, I get up and turn the alarm off before it goes up. But I've done that at several hours of the day doing the things that I have over the years. But your daily routine was taught or trained in you at some point in time. You get in a routine and you do it. Well, what about children? You know, it's wonderful. 
we, we're supposed to train up a child, right? It's been great just today. We were driving into church this morning and this evening, and our three-year-old granddaughter is singing what a welcome song for the church right here that she hears every Sunday morning. Three, training her, getting in a routine right now to talk about and to do. How many of us were raised, mom and dad taught us to do certain things in a routine manner? Well, you're fortunate. Because there were some, and I was a basic training company commander for the army for 18 months. I had hair previous, yes. I had hair previous. Ask my wife and my daughter. I had, when, back in 1995, the first of the gender-integrated, mandatory from Congress cycles of basic trainees. You send males and females into the military, and we'd put them in the same unit, same barracks, but didn't have any doors, except for the bathrooms and to go out of the whole building. And before I started, I had hair, and 18 months later, I come out looking like this, gray and bald. But many of those people that were coming into the military had no routine and training in their life. They had no standard that you would think would be common sense to get up and to do or to function. And I could go on and on stories about things like people couldn't tie their shoes, couldn't put a belt on, didn't wear their pants right, didn't know how to do so many different things. But we must train and we must teach our children and us as grandchildren still get to do that to our grandchildren. Okay, praise the Lord for getting the opportunity to do that. But we're to train people so that they may know that they might be able to do. And if we had more of that good training going on, we wouldn't have the problems that we do in America today. We wouldn't have that problem in the rest of the world. Psalm 6, or excuse me, 78. Did I say 68 earlier? Okay. As you get older, some of you know this. You start, rem oh, did I say 68 or 78? I started that back, well, my wife says too early. But it's happening. Psalm 78, verse number 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which ye have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that we should make them known to their children that the generations to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. You see right there, it's telling us we're supposed to teach and train, and then they're supposed to teach and train. And if you look at the rest of this whole chapter here of 78, you will see the rehearsing of, and we'll touch on some of that here in a little bit, but verse number seven, why do we teach and to train our children and they to train? That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, 
a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their hearts aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd be with us this evening. Lord, we've already sang songs. We've already had prayer. We've given offering. Lord, now we're opening your word, and I pray that you would deal with our hearts. Help us to put all the rest of the thoughts aside of the world, the cares and the things that are going on, and that we might soak up and we might understand, that we might be taught from your word the things that we must know and that we should know about life. I pray, Lord, that you'd guide and direct in the service. Now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That ye may know. I... Uh, had some time, like I said, in the military, and we had those privates when they come in that you had to teach them a routine. We would get them up most of the time at 4.30 in the morning. You say, what? Some of you don't know that's even on the clock, okay? But it is. 4.30 is on the clock. We would get them up and get them around. We had to teach them how to get dressed into a Physical training, and if I use acronyms, excuse me, and if you don't know, just raise your hand, okay? But if you get them up and you put them in their physical training clothes and you get them out there to do physical training, you say, well, why do they need to know that? Why do you teach them that? What is the, and you know what? There's all kinds of people, to include those, don't even know how to tie their shoes, they don't even know how to put on their clothes right. They don't even know what type of clothes to put on for what type of weather. Yeah, it happens. So we would get them up and we'd take them out there. We would make sure that they were ready. And then we would teach them how to do things. And yeah, I can still do push-ups. But I'm not going to do that in front of you right now, okay? But you'd be surprised at the number of ways that you would see demonstrated if you ask. And I could ask a bunch of you younger people or older that want to, to show me how you're going to do a push-up or how to do a setup, or how to run, how to do any type of physical exertion. And some of them think this is physical exertion. Oh, you laugh, but trust me, I've had it told. But we would get them out and we would teach them and get them in a routine. After we get done with our physical training, we'd take them back and we had to teach some of them even how to take a shower. Because they didn't do that on a routine, a regular basis. Well, I didn't have that in my place. I, if I wanted to go take a shower, I'd go to my friends. And, and you say, yeah, it's sad, but that's true. But they would have to be taught how to do personal hygiene. We'd teach them how to put on a uniform, a set of clothes, because of what we were going to do, what they needed to protect themselves. We would go take them to breakfast. And it's funny to see this kind of thing happening, but you take their tray and they go down the line and they just put it on as you go. And you probably heard that. How many of you have been in the military? Huh? Some of you have experienced that yourself, right? You just go down the line, yeah, I'll take it. It doesn't matter if you say, yeah, I'll take it or not, you're going to get it, right? I had one. She came in, she was 24 year old female. And she gets it, and she goes down the line, and she gets to her table, she sets it down, and she'll sit down, and she takes her napkin and puts it out, and she puts her silverware lines out, and about that time, drill sergeant says, get up, let's go, out the door. She had taken all that time to do like she had been trained at home, to be proper, elegant. She soon learned to throw that out the door if she wanted to eat, not be hungry. 
But then we'd have to teach them what to eat in order to provide them the strength and the energy that they need to do the job that we're going to be doing. How to build muscle and not, as Mrs. Byers used to say, fluff. I'll be nice, okay? I don't want you to get kicked out of church. But you know, there are people that don't know that. But here we find in Psalm 78, David is talking about, he's telling us here in this psalm written to us to understand there is something more important than the day-to-day activity and how-tos of life. We need to be teaching and we need to be training all of those simple and minute little tasks as children grow up or as they're teenagers and they've never been taught and somebody else has to train them because they weren't at home. Some of you have worked in a business on an assembly line or some type of work where somebody had to teach and to train you to do the task. Once you learn that task, you're expected to perform it. Once you perform it and you do well enough at it, they either promote you or leave you where you were or say goodbye. Okay, But how you did your work made a difference. Here we're talking about the fact that not just the day-to-day routine of what to do and how to dress and how to eat and how to do, but we're also talking about our inside spiritual matter as well. This is talking about teaching the children back then not the ways of Egypt, but to teach them the way of what God wanted the Israelites to be doing. And you know what? That task is our responsibility as well. We're not supposed to let the world educate them in school what they want them to know because, quite frankly, they're doing a very lousy job. Public education is horrible, okay? And and I'm sorry if I offend you, but I've seen the results of it. And I'm hearing the results of it every day. And in fact, it is teaching and training them to be nothing more than a puppet. If you don't believe me, look at the people that are now the representatives in the House that don't even know anything about our Constitution, our government. And they're the ones that's telling us, you shouldn't have children because we're overpopulated. You shouldn't do this because of climate change. You should, you know what? If we just get rid of the sin part and start obeying what God said, we wouldn't have those problems in the first place. But we've got to get back to and do like he said here in verse 1. My people, give ear to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And I'm going to go way back, verse number 2. I'm going to teach you dark sayings of old. God said it. He's never changed it. And if we'd just follow it, you know what? It'd be a whole lot happier. Didn't he set up, go back to Genesis and you look, Adam and Eve in the garden, a perpetual life of wonderful bliss, what everybody's trying to obtain nowadays. But if it wasn't for sin, we wouldn't have to worry about that. We'd all be great having a good time, wouldn't we? But because of sin entering this world, we have problems. But he says, I'm going to teach you old teachings. Now, I'm not a new math guy. I have an engineering degree and an engineering management degree. And I was just with, with a, how old is Brett? Is he 10, 12? 
And I'm, I'm doing math with him as I'm driving the silage truck yesterday. If I had 5,000 kernels of corn, how much could I plant? And so I started making him do the calculations for it. But you know what? That kind of attention to detail, that type of desire, is what those old parables should be about the Word of God. Incline your ear. Want to hear. Egypt was pretty good about teaching in the ways of sin, of servitude, you know, making bricks, more bricks, doing heavy, hard work. But God delivered him because he wanted them to do more. And that's the same thing with us. If we accept Christ as our Savior, we ask him to come in our heart and to save us, we shouldn't want to still do the same things of the world. We should want to grow and change and become something more for him. We should be in this book and we should be studying and we should be saying, I want to. I'm hungry for it. I have a desire to get more out of it than just the morning routine. Get up. Remember the old commercial? Some of you probably do. About the guy that would get up like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Got to make the donuts. See, some of you do. You laughed. But you know what? We get in that routine. We don't have a clue what else is going except for, I'm in a rut and I'm doing I'm a robot. I'm programmed to do. Fortunately, I've never had the opportunity to really get in that rut of exactly the same thing. When I started in the military as a private, I had people telling me what to do. When I was a lieutenant, later on as a commissioned officer, I still had people telling me what to do. And even when I was a lieutenant colonel before I retired, I had people telling me what to do. And even now, doing the ministry that I'm doing, I have people telling me what to do. But the one that I really rely on is God. I'm looking at the old paths. I'm looking at the truths that are right here in His Word. And I'm saying, Lord, I know that the world needs You, not all of these other things. Now, they do need to be taught a routine, right? Yeah, some of them need to get up and get out of their pajamas. Some of them need to know to eat a breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. It gives you the energy that you need in order to go out and do the work that's required of you. And if you work hard enough, you'll be hungry enough to eat again at noon and in the evening. And you'll be tired enough to go to bed at night and sleep. Yeah, some of you say, yep, I know all about that part. But we should have that same type of an attitude. We should have that same type of a regimen and routine in our life for the word of God. He said right there in these verses, he said, you know what? You should incline your ears to hear those old things. And then he said, it's your responsibility once you know it to teach those that are under you so that they might know it as well. And then well enough to where they can teach those that come behind them. You see, we had in the military this thing that was called train your replacement. Why would you do something like that? Well, trust me, I've seen some people killed in combat. And disorganization, all kind of confusion will happen if there's no leader that steps forward. You have to train your replacement. Are you going to live forever? I'm not. In fact, I don't even know if I'm going to even get home tonight. I'm trying to find somebody that I can train to do the ministry I'm doing and step forward to make it happen. Got any volunteers? I'll be glad to teach you. But you know what? We should be training our replacements. We should be looking for people. We should make them know so that they are capable of doing. 
But we're raising generation of people now that don't want to listen, and it's because of the rules that they're imposing upon us. It's like the confusion that they started back in 95 with gender-integrated basic training. Males and females, same time, same barracks, no doors. It doesn't work. After that first eight-week cycle of basic training, we had to go to the commander's office, Fulberg Colonel, and he goes, okay, Captain Guthrie, Captain Martin, what went right, what went wrong? Man, we had a laundry list of wrong. Oh, boy, did we have a laundry list of wrong. They said, guess what? Congress has dictated it. You might as well get used to it. Now, tell us how to make it work. Stop it. You know, they didn't want to listen to that. But I went back to the roots and the basics that I had been taught as a young boy in a good Christian home how to separate boys and girls from each other and train them what's decent and right and respectful. And that's exactly some of the things that are taught in the Bible back in the day that we're talking about here of teaching them right and wrong because what they were taught in Egypt was not acceptable unto God and to practices. And that's why if you look way back there in Levitical law, he said this you do and this you don't. This you do, this you don't. He set boundaries and rules for us. Why? He knows that we're all sinners and that we need that guidance. We need those boundaries and then we don't need to be skirting the edge of, but we need to be way over here doing what's right. Listening and, and then teaching others. Teaching your replacement. I have three children. Oldest is Linnell, Michael, and then Stephanie. And I did my best and my wife she did a lot more than I as I was deployed from the military. But teaching them right and wrong because we knew that at some point in time they would have children and they would need to teach and to train those children as well. And every one of us that have children have done that, I hope. But you know what? I saw evidence that that has not happened. I go to places around the world and I see people that are longing for and wanting to have somebody to teach and to train them in a day-to-day -day life, but also spiritually. I go to churches all over the United States as well as around the world, and I'm telling you, there are churches that are just absolutely starving to death for somebody to teach them and guide them from the Word of God. They need the Word of God. They need somebody. And that's like I said this morning in our praise about Brother Mark Hiltabittle. Him and his dad pastored and his dad's now about 70 years old marks in his mid-30s and they went to uganda to train pastors for two weeks they know that they need it and those men over there are hungry and want to learn it and so they dedicate the time to go over there to do that that's what we need right here in America. We need grandpas and grandmas. We need moms and dads. We need young people who are hungry, want to learn, and then to teach others. And oh, by the way, everything that you do, everything that you do is teaching somebody something. What do you mean? Song leader, he gets up here and he does like this. How many kids do you see that's trying to do this? They're watching. They're paying attention. Mom, dad, fight. Best way to find out? How many of you have been youth pastor? Worked with young people. You know what I've met. Don't ever, don't ever ask kids for prayer requests. Pray for mommy and daddy. They were doing this. They had this. 
They, oh yeah, we found all kinds of things out about mamas and daddies. All you got to do is ask for a prayer request, right, brother? Mm-hmm. But you know what? You can't hide it from the Lord, but that's not what you're supposed to be teaching. You're supposed to be teaching them by an example of what you're doing. What did they say back in, back in Genesis when he said, write it upon tablets, put it before their eyes? Huh? Teach them, train them, everything. In fact, it used to be years ago that what dad did, you learned and you did. Carpenter, carpenter. Nice long lineage, and guess what? We had good quality products, not this cheap press stuff that you buy from a manufacturer who really doesn't care except for it gets out the door and they get money for it. But we're supposed to be teaching, we're supposed to be training, we're supposed to be making them to know the things that they should. What are the things that they should know? The first thing is that God provides. I don't know how many of you realize that we had started out on the road. I was a captain, got off of active duty in Sioux Falls in 2001, had a guaranteed paycheck back then, even of $3,200 a month. And we stepped out by faith and was making $325 a month and love offerings in order to keep us on the road and to keep the ministry going and starting to do what we've been doing now for 19 years. My children saw how mom and dad would pray and ask the Lord to provide, ask for even the food that we got, for the repairs that were needed on the vehicle, for the bills that we had come in every month that we had to pay. And the children learned to pray in things. I remember back in 2002, we were out in Yakima, Washington at a conference. And our youngest daughter, Stephanie, had been praying. She didn't say much to us, but her toes were curled in her shoes. How old was Stephanie back then? Ten? About ten years old. And she couldn't even straighten her toes out. She had been praying for a pair of shoes. We get out there, and the pastor, who had eight children at the time, he said, I want to take the kids, and I want to go shopping. What do you tell a pastor when he says that? They went to the shoe store, and they bought Stephanie a pair of shoes, but they had to buy one, get one free, and so she got two pairs. She come back, and she was so excited. Daddy, God answered prayer. Praise the Lord for that. That's what matters. Our son, all of them were teenagers, and we lived in a travel trailer. If you get something, you got to get rid of something. Well, it wasn't too bad for Michael because he was growing so fast. Just, I'll get rid of a pair of clothes if I get a new pair. I need a pair that doesn't look like I got high waters on. You know, shoes, things like that. But they didn't have a big want list, but they understood the necessities and how to pray in and ask for what really mattered. They had learned because we taught them that God will provide, and God did provide. We pulled into Ottumwa, Iowa, to a meeting at Calvary Baptist Church. As we're going into town, the truck is not running too well. We parked the camper there at the, tra- at, at the church in the parking lot. Go to get a haircut, my son and I. That's always a fun experience in a new town. But the truck died, and we couldn't get it started. And they had to pull the truck to the to-, to the shop, diesel. 
Wednesday night after church. I'd preached there at the church Wednesday night and a man come up to me. He said, would you go with me to the house? And I said, sure, be glad to. We get to his house and he gives me this great big old 96 quart cooler and he opens up a deep freeze that they just had a beef butcher and he starts filling it up. I said, what are you doing? He says, this is going to be for you. And I said, brother, our freezer's this big in the trailer. I, I, I can't, he says, okay, just put some steaks and roast in there then. And on the way back, he said, I know your truck is in the shop. He says, I, I, I know it's going to be costly. Do you have any idea how you're going to pay for it? And I said, brother, I don't know. Remember, we're on $325 a month then. They're charging $85 an hour for labor. I loan parts. He said, how are you going to pay for your truck repairs? I said, brother, I don't have a clue. He said, when are you going to, how are you going to get the money? I said, I guess we'll be parked on your parking lot till the money comes in. We get back to the church right by the trailer, and he reaches above his visor, and he pulls out his checkbook, and he signs his name. He pulls the check off and says, here, just go pay for getting it fixed. 40 hours of labor, parts. I didn't have a clue. Lord had provided. He had answered prayer. Put the check in my wallet the next day. I went down and checked. Nothing. Friday they called me. He says, the truck's ready. I go down there. Guy walks out and he says, okay, you ready? And he had a piece of paper in his hand. And he said, uh, ready to settle up? And I said, well, I guess so. I said, a man gave me this check last night with his name on it. He said, I'll be back in a minute. And he literally went back to the office and he tore the paper up and he come back and charged $841 and some cents for the parts and one hour of labor and wrote off the rest of the labor. I told him that a man had given me a blank check to pay for it. God provides. I don't know. I go to churches and I try to get money so that we can buy paper, so we can print scripture to send, so that people may know of Jesus Christ. And I don't tell a church how much I need. I just let the Lord impress upon them what to give and what for. God's met our needs and we've been able to print 16 million John and Romans and stay on the road and go on a mission trip and see the results of what's happened in Israel, I, I learned just let God provide. I remember in Afghanistan, and we were getting rocketed. We were nine miles from the Pakistani border in Osama bin Laden's neighborhood of called Kaust. Rockets were coming in. I'd been tired. I'd been working in long hours. And I was really tired. Maybe you can say I was out of my mind. But I just rolled over in my bunk and I said, Lord, if it's my time to go, I'm ready to go. I went back to sleep. We got 13 rockets that night. We got attacked. Next morning, 5 o'clock, they're saying, Martin, where were you? Uh, how come you weren't in the place in the bunker? And I said, I was asleep in my bunk. What? I said, yeah, I rolled over and I said, Lord, if it's my time to go. And they said, wow, I want the faith that you've got. That or stupidity, but still, God took care of and provided for me. 
And I had friends then that I was able to witness to and tell them about Christ. And it was great to have a group of us who knew Jesus Christ, our Savior, be able to go and do things together. We were walking from our office. We're on a blacked out fob, a forward operating base. And you can't have white lights. In fact, you don't open the door and go out the door. You go into an area that's dark, close the door, then open the other door to go out. You didn't have flashlights to walk across. You just walked where you knew and your, your night vision will improve. You'll get there. We're walking across there one evening. It's dark and, and another couple of guys were with me and we just had a long meeting, a lot of discussion going on about what we had to do. And it started raining. One of them goes, man, it's going to rain on us, man. I said, praise the Lord for the rain. He looked at me and he said, what, are you out of your mind, Martin? I said, just think of it this way, guys. They don't like being out in the rain either. Tonight we can get a good night's rest because they're not going to attack us in the rain. And the other man goes, yeah, praise the Lord for rain. I wish it would rain all the time. You know? Teach people. Train people. Help them to realize God will provide. And He does. He promised that He would. He's not forsaken me, and I've been in certain miserable situations in life. Next thing that I want you to see out of this too is He gives us protection from our enemies. Who's our biggest enemy? The devil. You know, the closer you walk to God, the less influence around you can be right there beside you if you're walking with the Lord. And the devil sure doesn't want to walk beside God. Huh? So the closer your walk is to the Lord, the more you'll realize you're going to get protection from Him. You ever had the time that you've been in a dangerous situation? You've been in an accident? You've been in some type of a bad thing at work or even at the house? or I don't know what you've been in, but a bad situation. And you say, Lord, help me to get through this. And He did. And He will. You learned that He was there to protect you. He says, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. And you know what? I put Him through some pretty good tests. Through the military and all the things as well as civilian life. Now doing ministry. You know the most dangerous thing a pastor can do? Preach long before a fellowship meal. But you know what? We, we, we have to learn that God will protect us. Those fiery darts can't come against us if we're walking near the Lord. If we've got our shield up, we've got our helmet on, we're shod with, we've got the Ephesians 6 armor on. And you, no matter where you go in the world, no matter what the devil would like to throw at you through those false religions and cults, and trust me, it happens. I've been to Africa. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to places on islands where they have witch doctors and they've tried. But you know what? The closer you walk to the Lord, the less likely something's going to be there. And all you've got to do is, Lord, I know you're right here beside me. Protect me. And you know what? He'll do more than protect you. He'll comfort you through that as well. And I praise the Lord for that. How did I learn that? My dad was a pastor and a missionary. I had prayed things in when I was growing up too. I had realized and I had seen from experience myself. And what better way for me than to take and teach my children 
And now I get the privilege of teaching the nine grandchildren so that they can know that same thing. God will provide. God will protect. And the third thing, and then we will be done. God will make us prosper. I remember starting out as a youth working from the time I was 14 years old, hauling square bales of hay. Some of you may know what those are. Six days a week, way early in the morning till late at night. Dad did that when we come back from American Samoa's missionary kids. I wasn't quite 14 years old yet. Dad did the best thing in the world for us older three boys. He said, what you guys need is this hay truck. We went and pulled it out of the hedgerow put a new engine in it and the first hay job that we did we paid for it all we used that thing until a couple years after my wife and I were married in 1983 praise the Lord for what he taught me during that Oh, we think about prosperity as being money but I'm telling you what there's more than that in prosperity the wisdom that you get from God and doing things right, the character that you will learn from doing things the hard way, the school of hard knocks is the best education system. Okay? Stick something in an electric socket. Don't do that again, right? Okay? But you know what? God will make you prosperous if you follow and do what he tells you to do. Dad taught us hard work, good ethics, do honest day's work for honest day's pay. And I've never been without a job. I have a lot of people that are wanting me to do things. In fact, I was working at our church and helping a guy there do a bunch of things at our youth camp and at the church before I came up here. People know that I can and I'm willing to work and to make happen. And don't tell me something can't happen because I will find a way, figure a way to make it happen. Sometimes out of spite. But I'm determined to see why. Because I know that saying, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And you know what? He gives us the wisdom to overcome some of those things that we don't want to necessarily think that we know, know how to do or should be doing. Get in a tough situation and you can say, Lord, give me the thoughts that I need in order to be able to do this. Lord, direct my path to keep me safe, to keep me out of harm's way. Lord, and, and you know, if you're in a constant state of prayer and your communion with the Lord, speaking with the Lord is right, He's there and He's saying, okay, sometimes it is later. Like we heard this morning in Sunday school class. Do you know what? He's there. He's hearing. And He answers. He gives. He provides. But yet He makes sure that those that are doing right prosper. I get the opportunity now to work with missionaries and train them to go to third world countries. You've heard Brother Dover talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. But it's a wonderful privilege to teach people who have no clue how to do without electric, running water, all of those necessities and, well, it's wants. But you can live and survive. In fact, the camp that we have, we have a spring on it. And they've learned that you can drink out of it. You don't have to have a faucet that you turn it on or a bottle that you take the cap off of. We even teach them how to go dig a latrine so that they can use it for the bathroom. They learn that you don't have to have. The way some people live, trust me, it'd be cleaner for them to go dig them a latrine. 
but I have the wonderful opportunity to show them that the wisdom helps them to prosper. If you use the things that God tells us and instructs us in this instruction book, you will have the guidance needed to prosper in life. I'm glad my parents taught me out there on the hayfield, growing up the good work ethics, the good character, the things so that I could then help to train others. And when it comes to basic training and then me being a company commander, why did you leave the farm and go? It was an easier life. But I got the opportunity to train several individuals how to make changes to their life and get out of the rut that they're in. I can remember privates to this day and their names and situations that I could tell you. And they wanted to leave and get away from to improve. Put that in a spiritual application for us. There's a lot of us that will like to say, well, Lord, I need this. And that's all we talk to him. We have people that will come into a church building and they'll sit in the pew and they'll hear the pastor preach and they may read their Bible and that's all they get out of it. They don't have a hunger for it themselves. They don't have a desire to learn and to grow and they're still babes wanting milk instead of being able to eat a nice T-bone steak. Why? I don't know why. Because I know from experience personally being trained in it, reading it, doing it, seeking out and wanting knowledge of, listening to good preaching in churches, evangelists, so that I may know. But I don't stop there because I realize that at some point in time, my life will end. And somebody's got to continue to do it. Somebody's got to step forward, just like when Brother Byers introduced me to this printing ministry. I didn't know he had cancer. I didn't know he'd pass away. And within 19 months did. But I had the opportunity to get in there and to learn everything I could so, so that I could do. I had no clue that the Lord would allow us to do all that we've been able to do in the ministry. But I had a desire to do and to see the need met. And the Lord has prospered in the ministry. I don't have a lot of money. You know what? A man asked me, he says, how much money? I don't need money. God provides for me the things that I need. Somebody asked, well, how many churches would you be happy with doing the scripture? I said, every independent Baptist church in America. Because it's our job and we're not listening. We're not prospering because we're not doing what God tells us to do. We're not investing our time, our resources, our efforts, our energy, our wisdom. We're not, we're not investing it wisely. How many of you watch TV? Don't raise your hand. That's a waste of time. All it's teaching and training you is what they want you to know in ethics and morals and values. And quite frankly, it stinks. It's about time that grandpas and grandmas and moms and dads turned off of that thing and got the family together and taught them so that they can then teach the next generation and even the unborn. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in the fact that a lot of places around the world, they have extended families living in the same home. They have grandmas and even great-grandmas and grandpas that are living in the same house to teach, to train, to help. And I still remember my grandpa and grandma and the things that they taught me. 
One of the things that I like to do, and mom got me in the habit of, is eating. And I like to cook. I like to make things. But I got to learn how to make homemade bread from Grandma Howell, my mom's mom. Boy, I'll tell you what, to this day, ask my daughter. Cinnamon rolls are sure good, aren't they? But also the loaves of bread right out of the oven are really nice. A lot better than anything you can buy at the store with all the preservatives. But you know what? If Grandma didn't take the time to teach me when I was a young boy, I wouldn't know how today. And I've taught Linnell. I've taught Stephanie. I've taught them. Even our son. He even does some cooking. In fact, he's making cheesecakes and selling them for weddings right now. Good money in it. But if we take and look at the fact that God wants us to prosper, he's promised us that he will do that for us if we just do what he asks us to do. Here in the rest of Psalm 78, if you read through the end of it, you will see all of the things that the people of Israel forgot about. How God provided. How God protected. How God wanted them to prosper. And because of their sin, their wrong, they're not doing and following what He had told them to do, They didn't have that. And that's exactly what's happening to a lot of churches, a lot of people claiming to be Christians who are not getting that ye may know. We have it, folks. We've got the instruction book. Let's seek it. Let's then do something with it. And then let's teach our next generations so that they may also know and to be training the next generation. At some point in time, your pastor is not going to be the pastor. He'll be an old man and somebody's going to have to step in and do it. Who's that going to be? Maybe somebody that he's trained. Maybe somebody that got saved under his ministry who surrendered their life to go to Bible college and become a pastor and study under a pastor, get some training under the pastor so that they can then shepherd this flock. I'd like to see this church continue to grow and to meet the need here in this community, sending out missionaries from people that have been saved as a result of the efforts of this church that will go around the world and that they will be able to restart and redo that same thing again so that they may know and they can break that cycle wherever they are in this world. You see, too many times we look at ourselves and the things that we have around us and the influence right here and now. But everything you do is teaching and training somebody something. Wouldn't it be nice to be teaching and training somebody what God wants them to know so that that can be spread out around the world? It'd be great. We are failing at our job. We need to do better. Every head bowed, every